Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. And also be heard on Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Brendan's home run comes to an end. Father's Day tradition ends after 18 years by Joanna K. Zavallis. It was the 18th and final run for Brendan's home run. The annual 5K, a Father's Day tradition, started by Belmont resident Casey Grant and the Brendan Grant Foundation in memory of Casey's son, Brendan. Brendan was an accomplished Belmont baseball player, fatally injured at the age of 18 in an on-field collision during a baseball game on June 27, 2001. More than 250 people participated in this year's event, which included a 5K race, a 5K walk, and a youth race for children 6 to 12 years old. Scott Massey, a 2002 graduate of Belmont High, was the first recipient of the Brendan Grant Foundation scholarship and played baseball with Brendan. It helped him pay for supplies while he was a student at Arizona State University. I think Brendan would be really proud of the support and honored it was in his name and kind of bittersweet that it's coming to an end. But his name will live on with the field and all the people that support him and remember him today, said Massey. Senator William Brownsberger, who recently became a grandfather for the first time, has participated in the run since it first began and loved being part of the Father's Day tradition. In the earlier days, he used to run with his daughters. Assistant Belmont Police Chief James McIsaac said he has run in at least 17 of the races of the years with his wife Joanne and children, Catherine, Kyle, and William. The legacy will live on. The Grand Foundation is well known. It has been a good run uh, in terms of fundraising and a community event, said McIsaac. A tribute booklet was distributed at the final run commemorating several people who helped make Brendan's home run a success over the years, including past race director Brian Rogers, Dr. Alan Derkazian, William Oki O'Connor, Florence Kozakowski, and Susan Vassello, Daniel Kelleher, and Carol Clemente. Rogers served as vice president of the Brendan Grant Foundation since its founding in 2001 and serve as the race director until his death on September the 30th, 2018. The death of Rogers and the coming construction of the new high school played roles in the decision to end the Father's Day tradition, as well as the fact that Brendan was 18 when he died, and this is the 18th year of the event. Grant said that although this was the final Brendan's home run 5K race walk, the Brendan Grant Foundation has other initiatives and activities and will end will be continuing its charitable mission. The foundation still provides three scholarships each year to graduating uh, Belmont High School seniors with 46 already given out over the last 18 years. The foundation also currently hosts the Memorial Day weekend baseball tournament 
at an annual golf tournament each September, as well as assisting with the Brendan Grant Wrestling Tournament every January. All of these events are continuing, said Grant. Further, the foundation has a direct interest in monitoring the changes at the Brendan Grant Memorial Field, and we are closely coordinating with the Belmont High School Building Committee during the transition with the new high school project, said Grant. And now over to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Celebrating a new playground, the new Pequoset Playground underwent an extensive renovation by Joanna Suvelis. After nearly four years since its inception, Friends of the Pequoset Park celebrated the completion of the newly renovated playground with the ribbon-cutting ceremony on June 8th. The weather was sunny and warm for the event, organized by Meet Belmont. The newly renovated playground cost $675,000, according to the president of Friends of PQ Park, Julie Crockett. Community Preservation Act funds helped fund the majority of the expenses, and the remainder of the expenses was funded through $35,000 of donations, according to Crockett. The park, established in 1928, hadn't been renovated since the early 1990s and is now handicap accessible. Peter Cahoon created the sign, which is now hung at the Bartlett Street entrance to the park for his Eagle Scout project in 2017. As PQ Park is a valuable recreation resource and is now beautifully renovated, we look forward to working with John Marshall, the new Assistant Town Administrator, the Recreation Commission, and the DPW to ensure the playground is well cared for and maintained for generations to come, said Crockett. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Watson hired as youth coordinator by Joanna K. Zavellis. The select board appointed a youth commission earlier this year charged with creating programs and giving advice on behalf of the youth of Belmont. The youth commission disbanded more than 10 years ago due to lack of funding. The execution of the, pro of pro the programs is the responsibility of the youth, youth service coordinator assisted by members of the Commission with administrative oversight by the Director of, Hel of the Health Department. Marissa Melanson worked as Belmont's Youth Coordinator from December to April and is currently working five hours a week as a consultant. On June 10th, the Youth Commission offered the Youth Coordinator position to Belmont resident Tiana Watson, who, ex who accepted and is expected to begin June 19th, 19 hours a week at 25.50 per hour. According to Health Department Director Wesley Chin, there were 69 applicants for the position. Watson is currently pursuing her master's in social work at Salem State University and has displayed a true passion for social justice and advocating for at-risk populations, said Chin. She also has experience working at DCF with children in foster care and has also dedicated her career to working with various support groups for women. Watson has also volunteered as a crisis hotline coach where she helped mitigate and assess risks primarily for youth via text message, a medium to which youths easily connect, she said. When she learned about the youth coordinator opportunity, Watson said she thought it was a perfect fit for her. If you ask any social worker, adolescents and youths are typically some of the hardest ages with which to work. 
There are a lot of changing factors during this time in their lives that make things much more difficult. Students are vulnerable at this age and feel very real emotions. It's critical to give them a platform and healthy ways to express these emotions during this time. I find this population extremely rewarding and enjoyable to support, said Watson. Melanson will help transition Watson into the role as the new youth coordinator over the next couple of weeks before stepping down. A great deal of gratitude is owed to Marissa for restarting the Youth Commission and also keeping it going during this period of transition, said Chin. The Youth Commission most recently held a scavenger hunt in Belmont Center for children of all ages, which was well attended. The winner of the hunt received a free Underwood Pool Pass for 2019. This summer, they will be working on plans for future programs and fundraising. The Youth Commission has nine members, including three Belmont High School students, Victoria Lesser, Zachary Gillette, and Alyssa Gould. Dr. David Alper is the chairman. Other members are Suzanne Morris, Gavin Farrell, Laura Panos, and Sarah Wynn. Alper said the commission really liked Watson's enthusiasm and believe it will be well received by the youth of Belmont. We are looking for a Pied Piper that kids will follow through activities, events, talks, and general hanging together times, and we saw a sparkle in Tiana that makes us believe she can reach youth of a broad age range and have them want to be with her, he said. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Meet Belmont High's new band director, by Joanna K. Zavallis. Belmont High School's band director for the past five years, Paul Ketchen, is relocating to Omaha with his family. His last day was June the 17th, and on August the 26th, Allison Lacasse, currently the band director at McCarthy Middle School in Chelmsford, will begin her new role as the Belmont High School band director. According to visual and performing arts director Otto Azadorian, Lacasse is a flautist who actively performs uh, and maintains a robust studio of private students. She earned her bachelor's degree in music education from the University of Rhode Island and holds a master's degree in elementary education from Cambridge College and in music education from the American Band College in Washington. She has served as a clinician and an, an adjudicator for the Rhode Island State Assessment Festival and the Southeast Mass <coughs> Bandmasters Association and the MMEA All-Star Festival. Lacasse has been teaching at the Chelmsford Public Schools for 12 years. She started out as an elementary school music teacher and became the middle school's band director in 2013. She has also served as a Chelmsford High School assistant marching band director. In an email to parents, Isadorian wrote, under her direction, the band program at McCarthy and subsequently the Chelmsford High School has reached unprecedented levels of performance. As Dorian said, one of Lacasse's most impressive accomplishments in Chelmsford has been the creation of the All Town Wind Ensemble, a non-auditioned group of students in grades 5 through 12 who meet once per week to rehearse and perform advanced band repertoire. The ensemble earned a gold medal at the 2018 MICCA and just recently earned a silver medal at the 2019 MICCA Festival. Her obviously love of music and her passion for music education stands out, as does her affection and devotion towards her students, wrote Esadorian to an email to parents. 
And now on to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Cultivating Community with a Tour of Belmont Gardens by Joanna K. Zavellis. Ticket holders for Belmont Garden Club's Cultivating Community Tour of Gardens had the opportunity to view firsthand colorful, tranquil, mystical gardens in the community. Nine of them were privately owned and located throughout town. And one of them was the Public Woodland Garden at the Belmont Public Library, which is maintained by the Belmont Garden Club volunteers who spend hours weeding, clearing, and planting each year. Co-chairs Sue Kelleher, Sato Lapori, and Hardy Sawyer were thrilled with the turnout and the perfectly sunny warm weather for the event on June 9th. Their goal was to inspire and inform fellow gardening enthusiasts. Kelly Brothers Landscaping provided hanging flower baskets with numbers to designate the homes on the tour. I think it worked as many it worked as many people said they were excited to go home and to work in their own yards, said Sawyer. Demonstrations and entertainment was interspersed throughout the tour. Visitors to one of the French country inspired gardens at the home of Lee Chronic listened to Belmont High School musicians featuring a cello duet, jazz combo, and quintet. Tables on patios and decks on the homes featured were staged for a summer party with supplies for the settings provided by Bells and Whistles in Belmont Center. Demonstrations during the tour included local artist and realtor Carolyn Boyle painting in the garden of Bonnie Lanza, whose garden is adorned with fountains, gnomes, and a pergola like many scenes in Italy. Sarah Townsend, gardener and author, gave container demonstrations in the private oasis of Sue Kelleher's English Garden. Linda Ladd gave floral demonstrations at the Asion Family Garden, filled with an array of vibrant peonies and irises. Luca Gates gave tips on composting at the Patty Hurley's Garden, while guests enjoyed walking through the kitchen garden and newly created orchard in the back. Junior gardeners of the Belmont Garden Club also displayed their talents by creating kokidama, a style of Japanese bonsai, a plant root system wrapped in sphagnum moss and bound with string, creating it into a sculptural art form at the Catherine Stalbers English-style cottage garden along Beaver Brook. 500 rocks hand-painted by Belmont Garden Club members for their Kindness Rock Project were displayed and given away under tents in the middle of Blake Street during the tour, creating a neighborhood block party vibe. Three gardens on that street were part of the tour. Visitors of these gardens could choose the rock that spoke to them, made them laugh, or had special meaning. Sawyer said the event was more successful than the last garden tour in 2015, with 80% more tickets sold. Westcott Mercantile helped sell tickets from both store locations in Cushing Square and Belmont. The Belmont Garden Club grossed more than $25,000 from ticket sales and sponsorships. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. Queue Up for Porch Fest by Mary Bradley. It must be spring in Belmont. Belmont Porch Fest signs and banners are popping up in yards and parks all over town. 
By design, these signs do not list a date for Belmont's wildly successful community-wide music and arts festival, just some adorable creatures playing instruments on a porch and the website address, belmontporchfest.org. This is Belmont Porch Fest's unique and sustainable way of announcing that the website is open for host, performer, and volunteer registration, and for individual donations. 2018's inaugural event was a resounding success. A total of 75 groups, including 128 students, performed throughout Belmont at 60 homes and venues to approximately 2,500 audience members. 60% of audience travel was by foot or bicycle. More than 90% of the responders to the post-event survey, 92 people, said participating in Belmont Porch Fest resulted in closer connections to friends and neighbors in, in holding, and in holding Belmont itself in higher esteem. 100% of the responders said sponsoring Belmont Porch Fest reflected positively on the sponsors. Why mess with a good thing? This year will be a remix of the inaugural event. The performance will cycle through areas of town in two-hour blocks, starting in a different area than last year and culminating at PQ Park for the grand finale with food for purchase, free bike valet parking, and entertainment. The precinct schedule will be Precincts 1, 6, and 7 will host 10.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Precincts 2 and 8 will host 12.30 to 2.30 Precincts 3, 4, and 5 will host 2.30 to 4.30. The grand finale will run from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m., giving most bike riding attendees plenty of time to ride home before dark. The magic of Porchfest is in the air. Friends and neighbors are connecting and innovating to celebrate Belmont's unique culture. Some things to look forward to include Belmont Media Center and the Belmont Cultural Council have joined forces and resources to film a documentary. Anne Lugy and Roger Colton have secured Mass Bike to provide valet bike parking at the grand finale, giving you yet another reason to ride your bike. Stonehearth Pizza Chefs are in the kitchen conjuring the perfect vegan Porchfest pie to complement the popular cheese pizza to be served at the grand finale. We know there is more magic to happen between now and September. We hope youth performers register another vegan-friendly vendor signs on to join us at the grand finale and maybe an ice cream vendor as well. We welcome donations and would be thrilled to find major sponsors, but mostly we want to invite your ideas and energy to join us in shaping and making noise in the neighborhood. Check out our volunteer opportunities on our website. Write, create, fundraise, fundraise. be a part of Porchfest. The registration is off to a good start. In the month since opening the registration, 27 porches, 22 performers, and two volunteers have registered. Registration will close on August 1st. All we need are Belmontians to be themselves and participate. Sign up today, and before the summer sweeps you away, Belmont Porch Fest will happen the first Saturday after Labor Day, September 7th. The rain date is September 8th. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Future Farming, How to Stay Fed on a Hot Planet by Katie O'Reilly. With the world's population predicted to grow from 7.7 .7 billion to almost 10 billion by 2050, the, the demand for food is increasing as climate change is expanding deserts, exacerbating droughts and floods, and making agriculture even more unpredictable. Here's how modern farmers are doing more with less while trying to minimize their environmental impact. Indoor growing, 
climate chaos outside requires a more climate requires more climate control inside which is why urban hydroponic farmers worldwide worldwide are taking cues from the dutch who have used indoor agriculture to turn their country into a major vegetable exporter indoor farmers can precisely control water and fertilizer inputs and use LEDs to emit photosynthesis-optimized light. Vanguard farmers are turning underground spaces, shipping containers, and even former meatpacking plants into efficient, soil-free growing operations. Atmospheric water generation. In some of the world's driest corners, engineers have found a way to get water to people by wringing it, wringing it out of the air. Thanks to a passive fog and water vapor capturing technology, some Peruvian and Chilean farmers no longer have to rely in, entirely on precipitation to water their crops. Tech farming. Precision agriculture was born in the 1990s with self-driving GPS-guided tractors and has since grown into industry projected to exceed 10 billion by 2025. Farmers are teching up with infield water sensor irrigation, drones, multi-spectral analysis, which allows farmers to see how plants are absorbing sunlight and water, and information gathering satellites. Slashing cows methane. Cows naturally produce methane, which is among the most potent ga uh, greenhouse gases. Mixing seaweed seaweed into livestock feed has shown promise in reducing the amount of methane each animal creates. Early tests re reduced emissions by more than 85% in sheep and 50% in dairy cows. No-till farming. Using a form of cultivation that improves moisture levels in the soil by reducing the intensity of plowing, no-till farmers seed their crops without turning the soil. This retains the previous year's crop residue, which helps to restore nutrients to the soil and protect it from erosion. And now over to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Library Friends, come and browse through the Library Friends everyday book sale in the main lobby of the Belmont Public Library. Gently use hardcover books and paperbacks for patrons of all ages and interests are on sale during library hours. There is an honor box for payment. All proceeds go to the library friends. The library friends greatly appreciate the generous donation of your gently used books. Donations should be dropped off in the shipping room in the back of the Belmont Public Library. Please do not leave donated books outdoors. A tax receipt is available from the library's reference desk. The Friends of the Belmont Public Library help develop and fund such programs as One Book, One Belmont, the Townwide Reading Program, and Purchase Museum Passes and Equipment for the Library. Now, over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Council on Aging Ongoing Programs. Social Resources. Do you have a smartphone? Are you interested in getting a smartphone? Not sure where to begin? Sarah, our social, work, our social work intern, is here to help. Currently offering meetings to talk about smartphone services 
options, qualifying for the Lifeline Federal Program, strictly low-income or public assistance qualification, and how to use Uber and Lyft. You can schedule a meeting with her from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mondays and Fridays. For information, call 857-342-2411 and leave a voicemail with your name and number. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont.